Hello and welcome into the Lone Star Varsity postgame podcast. I'm Mike Graham, joined as always by Brian Navarrete. This podcast is brought to you by the University Medical Center and powered by AJ Media. Brian, it's been an interesting week one. A couple of couple of surprises just right off the bat standing out. I think one of the biggest things, probably the biggest shocker of them all, Monterey's lost to an Odessa team that had been on a 15-game losing streak. And then you have Lubbock High taking down a, a Seminole team we were very high on. And, you know, look at, look at, look at the Westerners. Yeah, I think uh, first off, coming from Monterey's standpoint, uh, that was a very tough loss. It was a botched snap there uh, that kind of cost them the game. And uh, I think they were kind of in control early on and then later in the game just kind of lost it. But uh, with Lubbock High, I'm impressed. I think Lubbock High came in a little bit more uh, prepared for this game, maybe. Uh, I need to read the full gamer, maybe watch some highlights and everything. But uh, Seminole, I thought, coming in was a really good contender. I think they still will be, but I think Lubbock High just came in ready to start this season. Yeah, Seminole, uh, an Elite Eight contender last year, made it to the Region 1 championship game where they fell to Sweetwater, which gave Westward Stark a good game in the Division 2 championship. A really I mean, good team. yeah, Sem- Seminole right in the thick of those, right in the thick of that pack. And Lubbock High, they advertised that they had a new attitude this season. You could certainly see that on Friday night at Lowry Field. Christian Coleman. Two touchdowns in regulation of this 17 to 14 overtime win. Caught the second one, the tying touchdown, with 10 seconds remaining in regulation. Seminole goes and kicks a field goal in overtime. And then on the very next play, Isaiah Johnson runs in from 25 yards for the score. I saw that play actually uh, on some video that I, I guess that was sent in afterwards. And that was an impressive run. Uh, I look forward to what he's going to bring to the table. Heading into the season, yeah, just a sophomore too. So, so lots of lots of room for him to grow and improve over the next three years. Yeah, huge (laughs) sophomore does not look like a sophomore, but a sophomore nonetheless. And colleges always love that when sophomores appear physically older than they actually are. That's actually what they're looking for. Now, I want to get back to that Monterey game a little bit. To me, it just seemed like Monterey could never really get into a rhythm in any facet for a uh, sustained amount of time. I'm talking about offense. I'm talking about defense. I'm talking about special teams. Now, this game began with a 47-yard kickoff return by Monterey, but it seemed like they probably didn't end up with 47 return yards because the returners were running backwards later on in the game. Um, Defensively, just couldn't get a handle on Odessa's rushing game. They weren't ready for the few passes that Odessa threw. And then on offense, couldn't really establish their running game. Yeah, uh, it was a different Monterey team that I saw from last year. Uh, I think they were still in the process of kind of working out some kinks. But I see them being kind of lethal down the line. Odessa, I think Odessa was a different team than they were from last year. Absolutely. I think that they are disciplined. Uh, you got to remember that they return like quite a bit of people from Odessa's standpoint. And uh, Danny Servants, he's all about setting the program and getting everything going and making sure that, you know, He's setting the foundation for later years rather than just come out in his first year and uh, getting that winning season. So uh, I, I don't know. It was different from Monterey, but it was kind of refreshing to see Odessa to kind of come out and do what they have been planning to do for a while. 
Now, the bright side for Monterey was the passing game was there. Trey Manahan had an awesome game. Brylon Lawson Young had a good game through two interceptions, but they were both near the end of halves. I mean, the, the, the final, arm. yeah, the final one was the uh, last second heave to the end zone. Not really going to hold that against him. I thought he played a pretty good game. Can you evaluate his play as a guy that was getting his first official varsity start as a senior? Yeah, he kind of seemed like he was in form early on. Like it, it seemed he he he's been there before, and you could tell that from just watching him on the field. Uh, he's been there before. He was actually even running the ball a little bit, you know, which was something we didn't see last year. I, I think as soon as uh, the team, like I said, falls into form, I, I think he's going to be a player that ends up being 2,000-yard passer. Now, those games, they were surprising, but here's a shocker. Shallow Water 35, Idaho 7 on statewide TV. I think two years back, this wouldn't be a shocker. But, uh, yeah, they came out, and they came out hard. Shallow Water came out, and they were able to kind of get everything going early on, from what I hear, and just continue to work it. Now, Cutter Sparks, uh, according to Carlos Silva, threw a quote-unquote perfect game, 9 for 9, 200 yards, two touchdowns. And it's it's really funny because you you look at their stats and – there wasn't a whole lot of production in this game either way. It was, it was kind of a defensive game. I mean, Sparks threw for 200 yards, but rushing-wise, no one went for more than 60 in this game for the Mustangs who, who got the win. <laughs> I mean, you, don't, you just don't see that very often, that um, the, the yardage totals would be so low for a semi-high-scoring game. Yeah, um, one name that kind of stood out, that it, it stood out last year and it stood out this year, or early on, is Brody Hendrick. He's an athlete, all-around athlete, uh, really good player. Um, I, I think that he had a really good standout game outside of Sparks, although Sparks had a really good game. Uh, watching some video, he seemed very poised at the quarterback position. But I think between both of them, uh, Schauder is going to have a chance this year to kind of go out there and compete. Yeah, heading into week two, they've already matched their win total from the 2016 season at one win. Next up was a game that I think we were both really high on, and it's it's me eating crow. Abernathy 27, post-21, and the most anticipated 2A Division One game, I think, for, for week one. What... what where, where do these two teams go from here? I mean, they've, they've just played each other. That could be a preview of a high-profile late-round playoff game. I think so. I think this is – it's a good telling for both teams, I think, because you look at both of these teams at the beginning of last year. Um, I think Post was already in form and Abernathy was kind of finding itself. But, uh, you know, Post took the loss this time around. But I think it's a good thing because Abernathy is a strong team. They have uh, some pretty positive things going for them. Um, same with Post, but – I, I I can visually see these two teams meeting up in the playoffs again, and uh, this this is a game we should have staffed because it, it, I imagine it was that exciting. Seems kind of like manifest destiny when you consider all the returners and, and essential pieces of the teams that they that they brought back. Of course, Post had one essential gone, and, and AJ Reed rushed for twenty five hundred yards last year, but Mike Ferguson wasn't too far behind and, and had a pretty decent game. I guess this this game was a little closer 
than or a little more lopsided than the the score indicates but just a little because post put up a a late touchdown they had been down by two possessions early in the fourth quarter but still i mean post is a very physical team and abernathy's defense including quarterback bryson daly who plays linebacker really had to to rise to the occasion and and they accomplished that yeah um i think that the offense definitely found itself defensively Post is a hard team to combat in your first time around because they're going to come in, they're going to hit you in the mouth. I think it's a good team to start off with, but at the same time, like I guess uh, the Battle of the Lopes has always been a good one in the last couple of years. Battle of the Lopes, wait for it in December. And then finally... I want to see it in December, actually. Yeah. Side note. <laughs> well, I'm going to fight you for that one. But I, I took the loss on that one. You, you, you called it. <laughs> uh, up next is in the final game we're going to talk about today is Lubbock Cooper versus Amarillo. Lubbock Cooper comes back late, wins 17-13. to 13. The game in itself, if you're watching it, it's very slow-paced. Like, you could tell it was a methodical game the whole way through. Both teams knew what the other team was going to do, and it's just it boiled down to one of those games where you're just waiting for that one big play. And Cooper got that one big play there at the end, and their defense played phenomenally. Um, I couldn't say more about their defense. Uh, they just kept rallying to the ball. Uh, talking to uh, one of their cornerbacks there at the end, Jake Patrick, he's like, hey, we're taught to go out there, hit them, rip the ball away and everything like that. And you definitely saw it because they were turning the ball over. They were creating chances for the offense. Uh, three forced fumbles, uh, two of them recovered. And, man, it just seems like Cat Winkle and the defense is going to pick up where they left off. Yeah, a testament to Cooper. It's a little, little 5A and Amarillo 6A. I mean, what, what did you see? I mean, did, did Amarillo have a much larger team? I mean, did, you, you would assume that Amarillo High would have a much larger talent pool to draw from compared to Cooper, which I think has 1,400 students right now. I can say that uh, they had upwards of three running backs who can run the ball. They definitely had that talent, but – the thing was that rallying to the ball, it didn't matter who was running the ball. It was just bring him down. Uh, their quarterback was phenomenal. He, he was able to do some big things. Uh, there at the end, I think what caught Amarillo was the fact that they are a run-based team and they had to air it out, and you knew it. You knew it about 3 and 10. You know, they're sitting there, and you have to throw the ball. And that's where Cooper comes in and, you know, they want you to be throwing into their secondary. Now we're just going to scatter shoot a couple of games, and, and first one was Corn. Uh, go I ahead. One, I have one for you. Hell Center or Morton? Uh, we have Brandon Castile, who threw for 259 yards and four touchdowns. I think that's pretty impressive for, for the 2A level. No doubt. And, and someone who was impressive – and the game I had was Quay Gray, Lubbock Coronado's 56-14 to 14 win against Plainview. 367 yards and, and three quarters played. You'd assume that he's on pace for uh, another 4,000-yard season if they can get a couple of playoff games in them. And they certainly looked like a playoff team. Uh, two receivers go over the 130-yard mark. Really good game. What else is out there? 
Uh, we have Lubbock Christian over Plains, 28-7, to which Lubbock Christian is a team from last year that uh, graduated quite a bit, and uh, I think they were kind of reforming a little bit. They were basing everything off of, uh, you know, some of the returners, but it, they're a team, I think, to watch moving forward because they did win their district last year. Um, and over Spur, 54 to 7. Sands over Klondike, 54 to 38. Whiteface over Whitharrow, 49 44. I think Don Williams would love to hear you say Whitharrow again. Whitharrow. <laughs> um, we have Spring Lake Earth, 22 over Vega, 12. Tahoka over Crosbyton, 21 13. You got to see Tahoka. Yeah, Tahoka is a, is a very. They look like an athletically gifted 2A Division II team, just their size. And in, in this game, they had to do it without star running back Juwan Hamilton, his little brother Malik, who's a sophomore. Juwan's a senior. Malik is a sophomore. Malik's bigger than Juwan. looks like a really good player. But it was his first varsity start, and seems like he handled himself pretty well in it. Yeah. Um, I guess on the Crosby 10 aspect, you know, you got Tim Childers going for, I believe, 264 yards. Um I think Crosby 10 is still going to have a good season, and, uh, and kudos to Tahoka. I, I think that was a tough team to beat offensively, and uh, I, I I believe in Tahoka moving forward. I, I think they're going to have a positive year. I agree with you on both counts. Um, let's see. What else do we have? Uh, I believe Clyde over Brownfield, 49-32. Olton, 28 over Memphis, 20. I think that's a pretty good game. Uh, Slayton defeated Flodata 36-15. And that's a big win for Slayton, another 1-9 team last year. Yeah. I, I think across the board we had uh, some pretty good games last night. Some pretty good games and a pretty smooth week one. I mean, we have to we have to say thanks to our editor, Nick Talbot, the copy desk, and, and uh, all the other sports reporters for, for chipping in. Uh, Friday nights here are pretty hectic, but that one was pretty good. And we're really looking forward to diving into week two with our Lone Star Varsity podcast, which will come out Wednesday. We really appreciate y'all stopping by and listening to us. For everyone at AJ Media, I'm Mike Graham. Thanks for listening in.